We're so glad that you're here. Thanks for spending part of your Christmas Eve with us. I don't know if you're like me, but around this time, I like to go back and think of nice, warm memories from my childhood. I like to think of back in the days when I would snoop to discover uh, what I may be receiving for Christmas. There was one late November where I was watching television, and all of a sudden, I heard the door open, and I got up to see what was going on as my parents were entering the house, and they said, sit down, this doesn't concern you, which meant it definitely concerned me. And I took another step, and they said, stay in there, which I did for about an hour. And then after they left, I went down to the basement where they had voyaged, and I searched everywhere. And there, by the deep freezer, underneath the stairs, was a rectangular box. And this box was a glorious new stereo. It was a compact disc player. Now, some of you have no idea what a CD is, but there used to be a time where music wasn't free. I know that's shocking to you, but there was a time where you would have to go to the store and you'd actually have to buy what was called an album. And what that is, is there's about 10 songs on there. One of those songs is played on the radio. The other nine songs are garbage, but they charge you 15 to 18 dollars to buy the album that has the one song that you want to listen to on it, and you would buy it and you would take it home. And at this point in time, CDs were still relatively new, and they were exciting, and so I deduced that this present was either for me or my sister. And so there was only one thing I could do, and that was get her involved as well. And so I came over and I said, hey, I've got a secret to tell you, but you can't, you can't tell mom or dad. She's like, okay, I won't tell. And so we went down, and I showed her the new stereo. I said, do you think it's yours or do you think it's mine? And she's like, oh, it's definitely mine. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And then it was Christmas morning, and we opened up all of our gifts, and I was done opening my gifts. And my sister had one gift left to open, but I was really confused because it was not a giant rectangular box that was the size of a stereo. It was a real small box. And as she opened it, what was inside was not a stereo, but it was a clue. My mother put together a scavenger hunt for my sister to find the stereo that I had showed her a month earlier of where it was hidden. And we're not talking like one or two clues. We're talking the scavenger hunt lasted for what felt like 30 minutes as we went from room to room to room, finding new clues, only to end up in the basement where there was a wrapped rectangular box. And I knew exactly what was in the rectangular box, and so did my sister. And when my sister opened the box, I'm like, whoa, a stereo! And my sister's like, oh, a stereo. She was never a good actress, and that was never more highlighted than in this moment right there. And I shot her a look like, really? That's the best you can do right now? My mom said, you knew about this, didn't you? And she said, my brother told me and pointed at me. She only has one brother, and she still felt the need to point. I've never liked her. Just want to share that with you. She just totally threw me right in front of the bus. Like, totally just threw me right in front of the bus. My mom was so mad, she sent me to time out on Christmas. What mother sends their child to time out on Christmas, you might be asking yourself? And the answer is my mother. My mother sent me to time out on Christmas. She was so mad that I ruined the surprise of the stereo 
for my sister. You know, sometimes on Christmas, you get exactly what you're expecting. Like my sister, she was expecting the stereo. She got the stereo. Sometimes you get what you aren't expecting at all. My mom was expecting a fun scavenger hunt and a big surprise, and she got, oh, a stereo from my sister because she already knew what was in the box. Sometimes you have a plan for how Christmas is going to go and everything works according to plan. Sometimes you have a plan for how Christmas is going to go and then you blow a breaker on the hot coffee bar an hour before the hot coffee bar is supposed to be served and your microphone craps out during the first service and you think, oh, we got it fixed before the second service. No, we don't. So then you're using a handheld mic. You know, sometimes you have all the best plans in the world. And they just don't wind up working out. And you know what's fascinating to me? Is that's exactly how the first Christmas went as well. It's exactly how the first Christmas was. So if you have your phones or your tablets, you can follow along with us if you want to. In the Bible app tonight, if you don't want to do that, or you don't have it installed, the verses are going to be available on the screens to your side. We're going to look at one of the accounts of Jesus' life, and it's written by a guy named Matthew. And we go right to Matthew 1, starting verse 18, where we read these words. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Right off the bat, what we see is there's tension in this relationship. There's tension in this engagement. Joseph and Mary are engaged to be married, and Joseph and Mary know that they haven't been intimate, but all of a sudden, Mary's pregnant. And Joseph loves her, and he's thinking, this is the woman that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, but he knows they haven't been intimate, and now she's pregnant, and he decides, I don't want to air her dirty laundry for everybody to see. I don't want to shame her. I don't want to make this a giant public spectacle. But I don't want to be with her either. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with her. This isn't really what I signed up for. And he decides he's going to end the relationship. Not in a public way, not in a way to make her look terrible, but in a way that he's like, this isn't, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I signed up for. And we have the benefit of hindsight. We have the benefit of looking back. We all know how this played out, but in the moment, there's tension. There's tension in the relationship. There's tension in Joseph and Mary's relationship. And Joseph says, all right, I'm going to end it. I'm going to end things quietly. not going to put her to shame, but... This isn't what I signed up for. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That 
in the midst of this tension, in the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst of all that's going on and, and all that's unknown, God just doesn't leave Joseph to wonder. God just doesn't leave Joseph in the midst of uncertainty. God just doesn't leave Joseph not knowing what to do. God shows up in the midst of the uncertainty, and he offers Joseph an answer. He offers Joseph a response. And before Jesus is even born, What's the summary of that response? We are told they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That before Jesus is even born, God makes it known that the reason that Jesus is coming is because God is not a distant deity. God's not uninterested in the details and the circumstances of your life, that God is intimately aware and wants to intimately be involved in every area and every circumstance in your life, that the creator of you and the creator of this universe loves you enough to want to be a part of your story, that he doesn't keep you at an arm's length. He doesn't keep you off in the distance somewhere, that God knows you personally and desires a relationship with you, that in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of all our messes, when life is difficult, there is God, not in some place far, far away, but there is God right there beside us, that he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That right there, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're encountering, and no matter what we're experiencing, that God is right there in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. See, I'm fascinated by this because God gives the response to Joseph, but that's not where Matthew leaves everything off. God gives the response to Joseph, and then Matthew records for us Joseph's response because God loves every single one of us enough to give us the ability and the opportunity to choose. That God doesn't, God doesn't pre-design us with a choice that we must make. That God loves us enough to give every single one of us free will. And make no mistake about it, God desperately wants to be part of your story. But God loves you enough to allow you the opportunity to choose for that to be true in your life. That God loves you enough to give you the choice of whether or not you're going to invite him in. You're going to invite God into every area and every circumstance of your life. That God is available to be in every area and every circumstance of our life. Emmanuel, God with us. But you must invite God into every area and every circumstance in your life. And the choice is this. It's yours. It's yours personally. It doesn't matter what your spouse chooses. It doesn't matter what your parents choose. It doesn't matter what your kids choose. It's, it's up to you. It's up to you. And the frustrating thing can be sometimes you can want that so badly for somebody else, but they must make the choice. You can't make the choice for anybody else, and you must make the choice. So the question is, what is your response to this? And here we, see the Joseph, here we see Joseph's response, that God reveals to him the truth, and Joseph decides that he's going to invite God into the uncertainty. He's going to invite God into the circumstance, and he is going to follow what God has called him to do. 
but we see the ability to respond. And then Matthew goes on for us in Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, there are all kinds of details for us that Matthew doesn't record about the birth of Jesus, details that you undoubtedly are aware of, whether or not you follow Jesus, whether or not this is the only time you make it to a church during the course of the year, if you're familiar with some of the details of Jesus' birth that Matthew doesn't even record for us. But I'm fascinated that one of the details that Matthew chooses to record for us is this group of seekers that come from someplace far off in the east. And they're seeking after God. And what draws them to this place is a star. I'm fascinated by what God uses to draw people to himself. And sometimes it's miraculous things. And sometimes it's mundane things. Sometimes it's things that you look at and you say there can be no other explanation other than that was totally God. And sometimes you look at things and you think of how mundane and how simple they are. And yet you look at them and you see how God has been weaving them together and behind the process and working them all together to draw you unto himself. And here we're introduced to this group of seekers who are following a star Matthew makes it a point to record this for us. And they're asking, where? Where has this king been born? Where has the new king been born? And when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And now we're introduced to another theme that we see here. That Herod's a king, so make no mistake about it. He's ultimately a politician. And now we see that there's tension in the political realm. And I know this is something that none of us can identify with because we live in America and we just love to not be worried about politics. We never bring it up at family gatherings or with our friends or neighbors or on social media. And we just have perfect harmony and we join hands and sing Kumbaya and it's fantastic and we love each other and that's fantastic. So we don't know anything about what it's like to have families torn apart because of political differences. We don't know anything of what it's like to have former friends that won't even speak to us anymore because we voted a different way than they did. We don't know what this is like at all. But here what we see is in the midst of Jesus being born, there's, there is tension. And it is rife across the region. And Herod is the king, and he's a, he's a politician. And so ultimately, he might be worried about progress, but like most politicians, he's ultimately worried first and foremost about power. And the idea that there's a new king being born, a king who would displace him, a king who would usurp him, a king who would take over, that's a threat. So what we have in this scene is we have uncertainty, we have the opportunity and the ability to choose, we have a choice that's made, that we're going to do what God has called us to do. We have a group of people who are seeking after God, and now we have political tension, just to add to the mix. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly 
and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And now Herod offers a response, and yet the response isn't genuine, as we're going to see in just a couple verses. I mean, this is nothing more than political positioning, and he offers a response. And this is one of the dangerous things, that we can say all the right words. We can, we can say the things that we think people want to hear. We can repeat the answer. Some of you have grown up in church, and you've had Bible verses and, and stories of Jesus drilled in your head from the time you can remember, and you can repeat it all back verbatim. But the reality is the words that you speak and the things that you repeat via rote, they aren't a true indicator of your heart. And so right here in the birth of Jesus, what we see is we see somebody who's saying one thing, but whose heart reveals something else entirely. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And here we see that, that the wise men, as they came, they found Jesus. And what was their response? Their response was to kneel and to worship I mean, what this tells us is something that's beautiful, and that's this, that if you will legitimately seek after God, if you will legitimately seek after him, he will reveal himself to you. You might be on the fence. You might be here because you're appeasing the family. You might be here because a friend invited you. You might be here because you think sooner or later there's going to come a point in my life where I'm going to die. And when I stand before God, I'd love to play the card, well, Christmas Eve 2021, I was there. I was there. You remember me? Yeah, right? Not a bad card to play, all right? Not going to work for you, but not a bad card to play. Just going to let you know, all right? You're already here, so I can tell you now that it, that card doesn't work. But So if you play that card, but if you will seek after God, if you are here and you legitimately don't know, you're like, I don't know what to think about this. I don't know what the answer is. And, and you're legitimately seeking if you will seek after God. He promises to reveal himself to you. And this is a beautiful picture that we see of the wise men as they seek after God. They come face to face with Jesus, and they have a choice to make, as we all have a choice to make. And as we talked about earlier, it's up to them. It's up to you. Nobody else can make the choice for you. It is up to you. And as they come face to face with Jesus, their response is to kneel and worship. And the question that I hope penetrates your heart that nobody else in the world can answer for you is as you've come face to face with Jesus, what is your response? As you've come face to face with Jesus, do you kneel and worship? Do you walk away and say, I'm just not sure or I'm just not ready? Do you reject it and say, yeah, it's that's not really for me. What is your response when you come face to face with the God who created you, 
and the God who loves you. My hope and my prayer for you is that your response will be that of the wise men. That as you come face to face with Jesus, your response is to kneel and to worship and invite Emmanuel, God with us, into every aspect and every area of your life. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. I mean, we see divine provision and protection here, but let's be honest. What mother of a newborn hasn't desired on a moment's notice to pick up and move to a foreign country without any prior planning and spend a couple years of her life there? as she builds a new family. I mean, this is, this is every young couple's dream right here. This is fascinating to me. This is fascinating. That the king's response is, I'm going to destroy him. I mean, if that just doesn't have Hallmark movies, I mean, just warm and fuzzy, right? Sitting in front of the fireplace, thinking about Christmas, you got the Hallmark Channel on with the movie. It's like the other 15 that preceded it. They're all the same. They're going to end up in a town like Algoma, falling in love. They got it wrong the first time, but they got it right this time. And at midnight, it starts snowing. Fantastic. You got your hot cocoa. You look over at your family. You're all in your matching jammies. I mean, does it get more warm and fuzzy than that? There's just something about Christmas. A king putting forth a decree, I want to find the baby so I can murder it, right? Like just something warm and fuzzy about this. But this is the first Christmas. That the young couple, who previously was, was just revealed to us, that they were uncertain about their standing even as a couple before God shows up. Because they're bombarded by visitors with gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then there's another dream. You need to abandon your home. You need to flee. Because the king's coming after you. I mean, yeah, we see divine protection and divine provision here, but make no mistake about it. What God calls them to do is incredibly difficult. This is not easy. And some of you are wrestling right now because God has called you to do something that is not easy and it is not fun. And you wonder, God, where are you and why are you calling me to do something that is not easy and this is not fun? And frankly, God, I don't want to do this. And here on the very first Christmas, what we see is that God's divine provision and God's divine protection doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy or pleasant in our lives. As Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, in a moment's notice, have to flee to a foreign country and live there for a few years. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. 
This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. And this is the first Christmas. It's full of certainty. It's full of uncertainty. It's full of beauty. And it's full of difficulty. And make no mistake about it, this is a difficult start to the life of Jesus. I mean, imagine that you're Joseph and Mary. It's not going to be enough that you've been entrusted to raise the Son of God. But you're going through all this as well to start his life. This is the first Christmas. Maybe... You're in circumstances right now that are incredibly difficult. Maybe the past year, past few years, maybe the past decade haven't been what you thought you signed up for. Maybe suffering isn't something that you've experienced. Maybe it's something you currently experience. And each day you wake up is a reminder that life is hard. Maybe life's great for you, and everything's going well, and frankly, you feel invincible. There will come a time where all of a sudden the armor is pierced, and something shakes you to the core. Whether it's a diagnosis you face, whether it's an event that happens to someone you love, whether it's something that you were so certain about is stripped from you, whatever the case may be, whether you're in the best of times right now or the worst of times, the first Christmas tells us a few things. Emmanuel, God with us, that God is with us in our great moments. And God is with us in our worst. That God is with us in our difficulties. That God is with us in our times of division. When we lose friends we thought we'd have for the rest of our lives. When it's been so long since we've talked to our family, we don't even know how to get into contact with them anymore. When we feel like we're fighting everyone. Emmanuel. God is still with us and our seeking, when we are unsure what to even think about this story of a God who loves us enough to take on flesh like ours and to come to this world and to be born and to live a perfect life and to die on a cross and to raise again three days later and to just be uncertain about where all of this, where all this stands and what all the implications that this has for our lives as we seek in the midst of our seeking. That God is with us in our uncertainty when we don't know where to turn and we don't know what to do. And all we thought we could count on and all we thought we had figured out is gone in an instant. Emmanuel, God is with us.
and the choice that you have to make that nobody else can make for you is whether or not you're going to invite God into the story of your life. That God has offered himself and he wants to be invested and involved and engaged in every aspect and in every area of your life. But God gives you the opportunity to invite him in. And the question that nobody else can answer for you is what do you do and how do you respond when you come face to face with the fact that God loves you enough to take on our flesh, to be born in this world in order to die so that you could be redeemed. Emmanuel, God with us. God, I pray that we would invite you in to every part of our lives. I pray for the person here who's legitimately seeking after you, the people who are watching via the stream right now, who are legitimately seeking after you. God, I pray in a very real and tangible way you would reveal yourself to them. I pray, God, for the person who's just decided they don't need you. And I pray you would thaw their heart and allow them to reach a point where they would invite you into every aspect of their story. God, I pray for the person who follows you and in the midst right now of some really difficult times, where life is hard and the answers seem unknown and everything they thought they could count on is slipping away and disappearing. And I pray in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the difficulty, they would be reminded, Emmanuel, that God is with them and everything they face, and everything they encounter. And so, God, we thank you for loving us enough to come to this world. And we celebrate your birth because we realize that you born, you were born with a purpose. And that purpose was to offer us redemption. We thank you, God, for the hope that you offer us. And I pray we would live in it day in and day out. Emmanuel, God with us. In your name we pray. Amen.